been talking about our four core values. And you guys seem to know them pretty well. Two weeks ago, he talked to us about that we are a family made of friends. Um, and the idea that we love each other, we care about each other, and we don't abandon each other when there's conflict. We, we don't leave each other behind. Just like a family doesn't uh, leave a family member behind if there's conflict, we work through those issues. So we may have conflict, we may have issues, but, uh, but we care about each other and we love each other. And last week, uh, he talked about the fact that found people find people. And that those who are found in Christ are commanded to go and to find others for Christ. And I pray for the day that we are as concerned about the spiritual destiny of our family and friends as we were about those fish flopping on the youth room floor last week. You remember that? You, you guys, you didn't hesitate. You came to rescue those fish. And if, if we had a sense of spiritual reality and understood the lostness of the people that we care about, we would be right there to, to minister to them and do anything that we could to bring them into God's kingdom. And tonight I want to talk to you about the third of our core values, and that is that saved people serve people. I've heard it said that you're not saved by your good works, but you're not saved without them. I want you to think about that. I'm going to repeat it. You're not saved by your good works, but you're not saved without them. The fact is, according to Ephesians 2.10, you are saved to do good works. Now think about it like this. God is not God because he does miracles. Think about it. God's not God because he does miracles, but he does miracles because he is God. It's of his very nature and his very essence that he does those things, but it's kind of from the inside out. And in the same way, I'm not a Christian because of my good works, but I do good works because I am a Christian, because God changed me on the inside when I asked him into my, into my heart. So I'm not a Christian because of my good works, but because God's changed my heart from the inside out, I do those things. What you do on the outside has to come from what's on the inside or it really doesn't count. So I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 8. If you, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Better than yourselves. Don't merely look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Have the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Save people, serve people. Taking the very nature of a servant. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So what does it mean to be a servant? 
We really have a narrow view a lot of times about what service really is. You know, we have our serve Sundays and we go out to the road and we wave our hands at people going by. And and some of you do puppets in kids church or we go on missions trips or, or we do this program or that program. And we consider ourselves to have done our service duty. But I think that the serve, the servant's heart that Paul was talking about in Philippians 2 goes way deeper than that. I think it has to do with uh, getting involved in people's lives at the point of their need. Getting down, getting dirty, getting into the nitty gritty of someone's life. And I have a video that I want you to take a look at and then we're going to talk for a few more minutes. An example of doing the little things that make a difference and being, being Jesus to someone um, is something I saw a few months ago. I was, um, I was out on a street called East Hastings, which is in Vancouver, and it's well known as the uh, worst postal district or zip code in, in North America. Um, it's, it's a place where uh, drug addicts go to die. It's full of homeless people. Um, has North America's first safe injection site where you can actually legally inject heroin supervised by the government. It's that bad. And uh, it's one of the areas where our, where our teens work. And um, we have a, a training school uh, for, for people who are trying to figure out, is this what I want to do in my life? And we took nine of them down for a night. And we're working with this church that's on the street there. And they'd asked me to speak, which is kind of a weird thing, you know. I'm dealing with these people who are totally homeless. And they're totally, many of them are high. And they come into this church because the church is feeding them. And the deal is they get this food and then they listen to some guy doing worship. And then I stand up and speak about how great life is. And I'm kind of like, I'm standing there and I'm thinking, Lord, what am I going to say? So anyway, our team of eight young people, nine young people, sorry, are uh, helping serve the food. And at one point this guy comes and he sits down. And I'm standing here and, and there's a row of chairs there and he sits there. And he's kind of like this. He's... He's so high and he looks like he hasn't slept for days, but he's this. And he's got this plate of eggs and beans and toast and sausages there. And it's in his hand. And he's trying to get his fork to stab the sausage so he can get it in his mouth. And he's moving like that. He gets one in and it sort of misses his mouth and goes in. And then we're watching him. And not, me and Rob aren't saying anything. It's a very moving thing to watch. And all of a sudden, the plate begins to tip and he can't stop it. And all this food, and he, I don't know when the last time he ate was, but all this food just slides off the plate, lands in his lap, just drips onto the floor, and he's just sitting there looking at him like that. And just from this side comes Naomi. Naomi is one of our 17-year-old people. And she comes into this mess of these, this guy who's stinking and smelling and food all over him. And she kneels down in the middle of this pile of baked beans, gets it all over herself, and she takes a cloth and she starts to clean him. And as she's cleaning, she cleans him all over. Then she takes his plate, she goes back, she goes behind the counter, so she gets to the front line, she fills it with food, and she brings it back out to him, and she holds it. Covered it, she's now covered in the beans and everything, and she's holding it while this guy's eating. And I, I saw Jesus. Naomi was Jesus at that moment, and that's when I got up and spoke, that's what I spoke about. That Jesus enters into our world in the way that Naomi entered into the, this guy's mess. And he makes a difference, and he cleans people up, and he provides a place and a hand that steadies the plate so you can get some food. Matthew 25, 31 through 40. 
says, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of, the, one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. About a year and a half ago, me and Jordan Warner and uh, Harrison Gregg went to Toledo, Ohio um, to go to this event called 4.5. It was a four and a half day poverty immersion experience where we experienced what it was to be homeless. And the only clothes we got to wear were the ones we got at the clothing bank. And we, we ate in the, in the soup kitchens and around the campfires with people who had no place to lay their head. And it was just one of the most moving things I've ever experienced. I was so out of my element because I'm used to being able to fix things. I, I'm a problem solver. And, I, you know, at least I could pull out my checkbook and write a check. And, but... I couldn't fix this, and and I didn't know what to do. But what I discovered through that experience and and that weekend was that sometimes the most loving thing you can do is just to hear a person's story. Just sit and and listen to them. Talk with them. Not not preach at them, but but just hear them and and be there for them. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9 after these things, there, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Isn't that weird? Think about this. There's, there's this pool, and at certain times, the, the angels would come down and stir the waters, and people could get in the water, and they'd be healed. That's, that's really almost creepy weird, isn't it? So, whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in, was made well from whatever disease that he with which he was afflicted. And there was a man who had been there for 38 years. He had been ill for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time in that condition, Jesus said to him, do you want to get well? That, that's one of those kind of duh questions. Like, uh, yeah, I've been here 38 years. Do you want to get well? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But as I'm coming to get into the water, 
Someone else steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and he began to walk. So who are the blind and the deaf and the lame? I contend tonight that we're the ones who are blind because we're unable to see the needs of the people who are even sitting right next to us. And that we're the ones who are deaf because we're unable to hear God's voice in worship or in prayer or at any other time. So often we are the ones who are lame because we're unable to stand for who or what we believe in. We simply bow down to the pressures of the world, even when God's calling us to follow him. And I, I, I know this is kind of a short notice for you guys, but um, worship team, would you come back up? Worship team, yes. Just begin to play that last song you were doing, please. But I want you to think about this. How many of you know that you are the one who is in need of God's touch, but you have no one to help you figuratively into the pool to be healed? You have no one to stand with you, no one to carry you, no one to help carry your burdens. Galatians 6.2 says that we are to bear one another's burdens, and in doing that, you fulfill the law of Christ. You know, the reason that we are spiritually lame is because we try to carry our burdens alone. Let me repeat that. The reason that we're spiritually lame is because we try to carry our burdens alone. How many of you know that My granddaughter's going through a really hard time right now. Where are you, Caitlin? Caitlin loves her dad. And she loves her mom. But they don't get along, and you get stuck in the middle. And how many people know that you're sitting right next to someone who's struggling tonight. Things have been so difficult for me and Debbie with, with work issues in, in the last few weeks especially. And, and, and there's just so many pressures and so many things in our lives that are so difficult. And some of you have heard me tell the story of... Uh, Back in 2003, um, <laughs> that's been a while. But um, Johnny was just a little guy then. I know that's hard to believe, but he used to be a little guy. And uh, I, um, I had taken one of our kids from one of our group homes to school one day. And as I was walking out of the school, with every step I took, my, this leg would just kind of start just jerking like this. And I was walking next to the school nurse, and she's like, you need to come back to my office. She thought I was having a stroke or something and went to the doctor. And make a long story short, they found out I, I needed my spinal cord was, was flat. And inside my spinal column, that bundle of nerves was just flattened. And they said I could be paralyzed at any time. And we're, we went home that day, and we're trying to get... Um, just make arrangements for when I was going to have surgery and all these things. And we hadn't said anything to Johnny, but I went in to say prayers with him late that night. And um, he asked me to lay down by him on his bed. 
So I laid down and he, and he just asked me, Dad, are you having surgery? We hadn't said anything, but it, Johnny just kind of senses things sometimes. And I was like, yeah. And he, he said, Dad, are you coming home? He had lost everyone in his life that he ever cared about. And I tried to reassure him as much as I could. I mean, it was a serious surgery. But I tried to reassure him. And a couple weeks later, uh, he was telling Debbie, Mom, I have to take off school on January 30th. And she's like, well, why? Well, my dad's having surgery. And she's like, well, you can go to school. And then when you get out of school, you can go see your dad. It'll all be good. And he's like, no, I have to be there. My dad needs me. And sometimes we need someone to help carry our burden. Sometimes we need a person. Maybe it's our son. Maybe it's our, my wife. And in this case, Debbie carries so much of the load for our family. What an amazing woman of God that I married. But we have to have someone in our life to help carry those loads. And I went to my doctor just this week, and um, I have to see my neurosurgeon again because I'm probably going to have to have another spinal fusion done. And I went to another doctor this week, and um, they, <laughs> I, I had a test done last week, and the doctor was concerned that maybe I had cancer. So I went and had another test done, and instead of ruling it out, it kind of ruled it back in and have to have even more tests like that. And I, I think about the idea that we all have a burden to carry, that we have a cross to bear. And I look at this cross, and I think about the load that I have to carry. And, and I... I think about it and I struggle. And I struggle. And I realize that I can't do it by myself. turning. <laughs> Someone move that table. Watch your step. Watch. No. Move, move it out of the way. Nope. Move it out of the way. Totally out of the way.
sing. A lot of burdens are too heavy for us to carry by ourselves. And even if you think you can do it by yourself, it's always easier to carry a load that someone helps you with. Even Jesus had Simon of Cyrene when he couldn't carry his cross any farther. Tonight I'm praying that God takes off our blindfolds, that he opens the eyes of our hearts to realize that as saved people, we have to serve people. You think about the words of that song that we sang. Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. As I walk from earth into eternity. You can make a difference in someone else's life. What can you do? You can talk to them, listen to them, pray with and for them, hang out together, challenge them, confront them, call them, text them, encourage them, become the hand that steadies the plate or become that, that figure of Simon of Cyrene for that one who needs someone to come alongside them and to carry their cross. John 21, 15 through 17 says when uh, when they'd finished eating jesus said to simon peter simon son of john do you love me more than these yes lord he said you know that i love you jesus said feed my lambs again jesus said simon son of john do you love me and he answered yes lord you know that i love you jesus said take care of my sheep And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you really love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I want us to, I I want you to just go ahead and do that song. Um. Save people, serve people. My prayer tonight is that God will open your eyes to the needs of the person sitting right next to you. The people in this room, and that as you go from this place, that he'll open your eyes to the needs of of people that are homeless or people in your family or, or, or people who have needs of any kind, that he'll open your eyes to that and that you will be willing to get down and get dirty and get involved in people's lives because save people, serve people, and that is what you're called to do. I want you to find one person tonight in this room and find a place to, if you need to go toward the back of the room, but I want it to be respectful. I want it to, to, to be just kind of a serious time. I want you to find one person that you can share with what's going on in your life and I want you to pray for each other and when when you're done I want you to feel free to go to another person and pray for them but I don't want you to get in a hurry we get too superficial too much of the time and it's time for us to get into each other's lives and to really help each other out
save people, serve people, and right now is the chance for you to start. Find one person, 